that sound? <laughs> Great, whilst this is getting sorted, um, we are looking at John chapter 6, and um, we're going we're gonna to really cover the whole chapter. Um, there's two reasons for doing that. Um, one, time constraints, and um, also uh, the chapter's really concerned with kind of a major theme in itself, which hopefully I'm going to cover. There's a lot in there. Um, but it's, it's really great to kind of see a chapter as a whole and also try and see it in the wider context. So my aim, I guess, for this morning is to, uh, to kind of have a broader perspective of John chapter 6 and then zoom down a little bit to what is a key statement um, that we'll look at, which is, I am the bread of life. Uh, and we'll be kind of focusing in on uh, verses 34 to 40. So you can get those ready in your Bible, although they will come up on the screen. I won't read them for just a while if that's okay. Uh, as I've got, before we begin, a little, uh, two short, very short videos that I've uh, paid uh, for the rights to show, uh, and then uh, a little a little pop culture reference quiz for us this morning, just to, just to get us going. If that's okay, uh, let's see if it works. Maybe there might be even sound as well, which would be super fun. <laughs> Have a, if that reminds you of anything, uh, don't say anything just yet. Uh, and then just got one more video uh, for us. Again, it's very short. You're quite right, it's the same video. <laughs> With this staff, you shall do my wonders. <laughs> Obviously, uh, I had too much time on my hands over Easter uh, and had some fun making videos. Um, uh, there, were, there is uh, ever so slight tenuous link as to why uh, I did that. Uh, we'll find out. But just now, I'd like to do a pop culture quiz. So I got three uh, phrases uh, that, that I hope might some of you might go, oh, I know where that's from. And then you can shout it out. Uh, and we'll see at the end. I've got three of them. They'll go through, and then we'll see if you guys were correct. If that's okay, you can just, just shout out. Let's, it's a free fall. Let's go crazy. Um, first one. Where's it come from? Lord of the Rings. Fellowship of the Rings. Oh. Excellent. Uh, this one might be a little trickier. We press a button like eight times. There we are. You're going to need a bigger boat. Anyone know where that comes from? Yes. Okay, well, I just took... Okay, it's going to be... We're going to... Oh. Right, it is from Jaws. Well done. Uh, and, and finally, just to prove that even a single word uh, can be a, a reference, it can be something that triggers an idea or a thought or a link back to something. Finally. Oh. oh. Brooklyn. Noise. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Excellent. Let's see if you guys are right. First one was Lord of the Rings. Uh, 
we had uh, Jaws, and finally uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a TV program um, that some of us, I guess, have, have watched. Um, the thought behind that and those two clips uh, is to show that you can have just a phrase or an idea or an image, and uh, in the mind of a, of a generation, uh, this kind of like images can appear. The words and, and ideas carry so much meaning. And actually, that's exactly what's happening in John chapter 6. But they're not pop culture references that we are all super familiar with. So I kind of want to spend some time helping to unpack some images and, and show that. Uh, and then I want to dig down, down deep into, um, into, into that I am the bread of life statement and that little passage of scripture that I showed. Um, but to do that, we first we need to just cover quickly what happened in chapter 6. Because we're skipping the whole verses. So previously, in, uh, in John chapter 6, the, the book starts, the chapter starts off with the feeding of the 5,000. Um, here's a lovely picture uh, of, of that happening. And uh, I guess that's uh, like for like. Um, this is an amazing uh, story, a miracle that we could dig into. It's in the other Gospels as well. It's one of the only miracles that John shares with the other Gospels. Mm-hmm. It's not the only one, but it's kind of like he's, when he's writing his Gospel, he's really thinking, I want to tell a story, I want to tell this narrative, I want to paint the picture and, and kind of unpack the deeper theological implications, like the, the meanings behind stuff. Whereas the other Gospels are really concerned with like chronological this is what Jesus did. John's like, no, this is why Jesus did it. So, so it's important then, everything John puts in is there for a real specific purpose. So this miracle here at this moment follows on directly from a discussion about Moses that happened in chapter five. And then this happens. And then you'll see in this chapter that actually um, everything is harking back to Moses, the Exodus story. Uh, and that's the, that's the motif, that's the theme, that's the pop culture reference for the first century Jews that they're seeing when they read this. When they, when they see this thing happening, when they see Jesus uh, multiply the bread, they go, whoa, like Moses did in the desert. See, in Exodus, in the story of Exodus, uh, the Israelites, uh, the Jewish people are in slavery in Egypt uh, and God rescues them uh, by the help of Moses who parts the sea, who uh, helps them to make their way through a big body of water and then provides for them in the desert, in the wilderness, uh, with uh, bread from heaven. And then uh, all of this is before they go into the promised land. So they had slavery in Egypt, uh, miraculous transportation across water, uh, food, sustenance uh, uh, supplied to them in the desert before they step into the promised land. Uh, And what we see here in this narrative is that John is basically saying this is an Exodus-like story. Uh, In fact, what he's saying and what Jesus is saying is uh, all of that pointed to me. Uh, This sermon is very similar to when we looked at uh, the woman at the well because then it was kind of like, hey, do you remember Jacob gave you this well? Well, I'm Jesus and I give you living water. This is, you remember Moses and the food uh, that he gave, that, that he provided in the desert? Well, I'm Jesus and I give you bread from heaven getting ahead of myself the next thing that happens in this chapter is that jesus walks on water um the disciples have had the whole feeding of the five thousand thing and then uh 
overnight the disciples get on some boats and they go over to the other side to Capernaum and Jesus uh, stays behind. So all the boats have gone with the disciples and Jesus stays behind and then they get some trouble on the water. The storm comes and they're despairing. They're like, what's going to happen? And Jesus comes to them, calms the storm, says it's all going to be okay, gets on, they go to shore. The next day then, all of that big crowd wake up and they're like, where's Jesus? And someone says, well, the disciples went last night, but Jesus stayed behind, but he's not here now. What's going on? So they travel all the way around and they get to Jesus and like, what did you do? How did you do that? Like, how did you get from here to there? And instantly in their minds, they remember Freddie parting, sorry, Moses parting <laughs> the Red Sea. And in their mind, it's, it's again, it's the same. It's a similar narrative. It's a similar uh, reference. It's like Moses. And then they start asking Jesus, we want to see a sign. Never mind the fact that he's already done the food miracle. They're like, can we see a sign? We want another sign, just like Moses did. You know, Moses gave us manna from heaven every day. If you give us bread from heaven every day, we don't need to eat anymore. We don't need to worry about uh, making food. If you think in an agrarian culture, uh, making food takes up most of your time. These days, we don't have to do that, which is why we can all be teachers and do all this other stuff and worry about culture and be artists and go and do like software and stuff because we don't have to make our own produce our own food it's a game changer and they can just about see that hey this would be a game changer for us if we didn't have to make our own food and so they like they want to grab jesus and make him king and they're, they're, they're all of this is going through their mind and so jesus says guys you've got it all wrong i'm getting ahead of myself yeah, hugely here um Let's read uh, what Jesus' response to these guys is. Because um, they come to him, they say, Jesus, we love that bread miracle you did back there. We see now who, you know, you're like this Moses fella. You, you're going to give us these things and we can, we, finally, we can have the kingdom restored. We can have our, our Jewish nation. We can have all the things we've ever dreamed of. And you're going to give us that. Come on. Uh, and Jesus says, I, I can give you, Jesus says, I'm going to give you living bread. And they're like, oh, you know, what is that? And so here we are in verse uh, 34 and verse 40. If you want to follow along on the screen or, or in your Bibles, I think that I'm using the same translation as this. Maybe I should have checked, but I'm reading from the ESV here, I think. So uh, I'll read it for you. Um, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I, say, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, they weren't expecting that uh, as a response uh, to, to what they were asking. We want this bread always. We want this miracle uh, of, of sustenance, of food, similar to the woman at the well. She's like, whoa, living water that I mean, I don't have to come and drink every day. I'll take it. That wasn't what he meant. And 
what John is showing us in this chapter is that these are signs, these symbols are pointing to deeper truths, deeper realities. And so Jesus is unpacking that in this, uh, but they kind of have their blinkers on uh, to understanding uh, to understanding it. So one of the things that's amazing in this uh, passage as well is the first instance of Jesus saying uh, that an I am statement. Uh, this is something that happens uh, on several occasions uh, in this gospel. And in fact, there's you can pull out seven instances of Jesus saying, I am something or uh, he... I am this, and he actually, they are, I am the bread of life, which is here in chapter 6. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. They are the seven great I ams of John's John's gospel. Um, this is a really significant phrase, I am, uh, and it's, again, because of the Exodus story, what happens at the beginning of that Exodus story is uh, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is being commissioned to do the whole uh, setting the, the Egyptians free, uh, the, sorry, setting the Israelites free from Egypt and, and going and being the guy who says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, set, God says, set my people free. And it's all before that. And Moses is having this identity crisis where he's like, I can't go, like, who am I going to say sent me? And he says this, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Well, what will I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who that I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. We sang uh, my favorite song earlier before the throne of God above, and it has that line, uh, the great unchangeable I am. That, it's, the, it, it's this reality that that lyric is speaking into, and that's kind of like, if you don't know what this means, then I guess that would be a really strange, grammatically, the great, like, I am what? Like, the great I am what? But the point is that that I am is the that's like the noun that's kind of the naming word the i am it's it, and we couldn't we don't have time to go into that but i guess in a nutshell it's about his identity is so uniquely i am god i'm not anything else you can't compare me to other things i just am uh, and there's huge books written on this topic um to dig into uh but it's uh, it's important uh, significant that Jesus uses that about himself because we learn at the end of the gospel uh, that this is one of the main reasons that the Pharisees and the religious rulers are like, we've got to kill this guy. He is a blasphemer because he says he's God. They say, they hear this, I am statements, and they're like, that's too far. That's too far. This guy's got to go. Um, so it's huge. Uh, just again the significance of it being seven times I'm not a big into like numbers and reading too much into numbers but seven is significant in the Bible and again as a reference it's not a pop reference for us but for these guys it is when you read people reading John's gospel would have gone oh it says it seven times that basically is because God creates the world in seven days on the seventh day he rests he's like I've done my job it's complete it's, it's all done don't need to do any more creating and, and so this number came to symbolize, came to represent fullness, completion. 
its doneness, and and then in that God is the most fully complete, the most fully uh, realized thing. So it came to represent God. So for it to be seven times that Jesus says I am, John is saying that Jesus is fully that reality. He is fully I am. Uh, so that that's significant for us. Uh, it's not. When people say like, oh yeah, Jesus isn't God, he's just a prophet, or Jesus isn't God, he's just like an angel, or Jesus isn't God, he's just like a man who did really well and actually was obedient to God, like he was the first person who was obedient, um, he was the first person and the only person who was ever obedient fully to God, but he was God, that is what this gospel is saying, that is what Jesus is saying in this statement, he, he, I, I am God. So it's really, really important that we get that because there are many, many people that fall uh, at this point of, of who Jesus is and his identity. So when we think about the real Jesus, Jesus is fully God. And just to labour that point, if he isn't, it, it would be difficult for us to say, to put our trust, our hope in him as our saviour. Also, that's what John is saying. Uh, it's in the Bible, like it's in here. <laughs> the end. But many, many people follow this. So, Jesus is fully God, and as God, in this chapter, in this passage, he's saying that he is the bread of life. Verse uh, 35, I am the bread of life. What is this bread like? Uh, that will form the basis, the end of, of the rest of this sermon. We'll be actually digging into, okay, so Jesus is fully God. And as God, he is something like bread. What does that really mean for us? Uh, what, what does that mean? Well, uh, it means this, that Jesus is as bread. Uh, what is this bread like? This bread satisfies. Verse 35 says, he who comes to me shall never go hungry. Mm. Simply put, this is a bread, uh, that word life, by the way, uh, that I'm the bread of life, is, uh, is, a, is a word, life in the Greek, it's, uh, it's zoe, where we get the name zoe, and it means spiritual life, as opposed to bios, which just means physical life, and so key there is that this is spiritual, spiritual life-giving sustenance. Obviously, real bread, you eat it, makes you grow, makes you healthy, um, you know, lots of carbs, don't eat too much, but generally it's good for you, <laughs> part of a balanced diet, it's good for you, it gives you bios, it gives you physical life. Um, this is a spiritual satisfaction, uh, this is spiritual hunger quenching bread. It's inclusive, all those, I couldn't think of a better word than inclusive, but maybe you can help me. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Friends, this is a bread that is open and op available for all who are hungry, who come to Jesus. Um, it, it doesn't uh, drive people away, the words say. It doesn't, Jesus doesn't drive people away. He accepts people. If you come to him, he accepts you. I was thinking about this, I was dwelling upon it. Um, we, we get thrown, like, driven away from lots of stuff. Uh, family, friends. I, I was part of a church that cast me out 
Like, I was part of a church that were like, you're not good enough. Like, it, it can happen in church communities. So, so a warning there, don't build your hopes on church communities. But if you build your hopes on Jesus, he doesn't cast you out. He won't. People might. But he doesn't do that. That's an incredible hope for us. Another thing, incredible hope. He's obedient. He says in this, verse 38, uh, I came not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, this is big, 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 big stuff because uh, God has actually put a law down. He has actually said, this is how I want people to live. I want you to live holy and blameless lives. He has actually set a standard. We talk about grace so much here, and it's because we, we have to, otherwise we despair, because there is a standard, but it is super high. But God actually, like, he has set it. It is a holy standard. So somewhere or other, obedience needs to happen. Jesus was obedient. Jesus was fully obedient to the law. He was fully obedient to God the Father in a way that uh, other people who thought they were obedient, he was way above and beyond that because Jesus understood what the law meant. He understood what it meant to, to hear from God the Father and to do what God the Father said. So when he sees someone who's like needed healing, he knew God wants to, God wants to heal that person. And he was completely obedient to it, to it, despite what anyone else thought, despite what trouble he could get into. The guy, on the, the guy he heals on the Sabbath, he's like, well, I don't care what these guys, they made up some rules about when you can and can't heal people. Doesn't matter. God tells me to heal, I heal. The Father says to do it, I do it. Jesus is concerned with God's agenda, not his own agenda, but the, but the Father's agenda. And that is such a hope for us because... It means that we don't have to be obedient. We're not now under any condemnation. The law, which Jesus was fully obedient to, we don't now need to be obedient to that. Because he was. So, so when it says, again in my favourite song, uh, like we're dressed in his righteousness, that righteousness could be just translated in his obedience. The, the, the holiness that he got from being obedient to God the Father we step into that. That's what this bread gives us. That's the hope that it gives us. It's powerful. Verse 39, I shall lose none of all those he has given me. Again, this because this uh, bread, eating this bread is based, uh, what this bread is like, or what Jesus is like, is that he's powerful to keep those that he's been given. Because he's obedient, and we step into his obedience, that means that we can't be lost. We don't get cast out by what we do. Because again, we say this a lot, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. That's what we mean when we say it's all about Jesus. We stepped into him. We, we've, you know, we're, we're held on to by him. Uh, and verse 40 says this. Everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. Again, this is this bread is, is an eternal destiny for us. Um, it was great this morning. Uh, Josh read from uh, Revelation twenty one, um, which talked about like a new heaven and a new earth, and God 
dwelling on earth amongst us. And it's said that there'd be, uh, there'd be no tears, there's no crying, there's no pain, so there's no sorrow, there's no mourning, so there's no death. Like, that's an eternal purpose there, there's an eternal destiny. We, uh, I know I, uh, I just don't, like, have that at the forefront or at the middle or even, like, at the back of my mind most of the time. Like, I'm, I'm just concerned with what's going on around me, like, all the time. Um, but it's so dangerous for us. Because we've got an eternity ahead of us to look forward to, to live in the light of. Jesus knew that. Like, he'd come from heaven. It says that he, he, he talks in this chapter about how he'd uh, been with the Father and then he'd come back. And so he'll go back to the Father. Like, the only person who's ever seen God is, is me because I was there and I am God. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, so he knew this eternal destiny. And he's telling us now we have an eternal destiny. If we take on board this bread, if we eat this bread of life, we... Uh, we will have an everlasting eternal life. Friends, um, the encouragement here for me is not to trifle with, not to waste my time, like building up or, or, or like building my foundation on earthly things, but building my foundation on heavenly things. We, we get caught up on relationships, you know? Relationships, friendship, even church. Like this becomes... The big thing that I get my sustenance from, or my my uh, my security from, like where do you go to feel like whole or complete or happy? Because if it if it's not in Jesus, then it will let you down because it's an earthy thing. Helpfully, two quotes from C.S. Lewis on this. There he is. If you aim at heaven, wait. Aim at heaven and you will get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll get neither. See, if, we, if we're thinking about, Lord, I want you to be what sustains me. I need you to be where I'm, where I'm fulfilled, where I get this uh, spiritual satisfaction, so my spiritual hunger is met in you. That's our, our goal, our foundation. Then all of the other stuff is like easy to hold on to. It's like, yeah, my relationship... This is great, I get to enjoy uh, my marriage, or I get to enjoy my friendships. But thankfully, they're not all I'm living for, because I'm living for something more. Like, I'm living for Jesus, so these things now I can enjoy. But if I'm living for these things, it's super hard to enjoy anything else. Because if that thing lets you down, you're done. Like, this is what we talked about, like, weeks and weeks ago with the woman at the well. If, If you're, like going to broken cisterns, it's that verse in Jeremiah, you're, you're kind of going back to these things that don't sustain you, then you're not going to get any life from them. Relationships let you down. Church can let you down. If you're coming to the community of Christ, believers in church, for community, that's the only reason you're here, then at some point, when you get like forgotten about, or they don't text you, or something happens... Or in my case, you get like, like awful things happen. You, your whole, you have a crisis of faith, a crisis of identity. But if you come here because you know, hey, I want to meet with Jesus, and that's, I hope, like that's these guys, that's their heart. They want to meet with Jesus too, and together we're going to meet with Jesus. And like, I know that they're broken and, and sinful, and they're not going to be perfect human beings, but they care about, for the most part, the one who is perfect. Then this is a good place for me to be to dwell upon my true joy, which is Jesus. Again, if in my life 
my goal is to find a partner and a soulmate and to, uh, to share my life one-to-one with someone, and that's really what I'm living for, then when, like, tragedy happens, or uh, there's, uh, like, unfaithfulness, or, hey, you've changed. Like, people get to 40, and they have, like, a midlife crisis and change, and then they're, like, different. <laughs> like, what do you do when that happens, and it's make or break? Or, hey, we can't have kids. My life's dream's always to, be have, to have kids. And now I'm married to this person, and we can't have kids. Like, crisis happens. And if that's all I've been living for up to that point, then my world falls apart. But if I'm like, I love Jesus, and Jesus is my passion, and you love Jesus, and Jesus is your passion, we're going to go for that. And whatever the tragedy happens, whatever crisis comes across, we can face it together because Jesus is ultimately what we want. It's not my soulmate that I want. Jesus is my soulmate. It's not this child or family life that I want. Jesus is my family. And those things I can have, and I can enjoy them, but if they don't come and they don't happen or they let me down or they fail me, that's okay because ultimately I've got a heavenly identity. I've got a heavenly perspective. I'm going to live here, what, I'm 30 now, maximum 70 more years. My granddad lived to 97. My, my auntie lived to, my great-great-auntie lived to 104. Let's say I meet that. That is a hair on eternity. Like it's irrelevant in perspective. <laughs> so I, I want to live this life well because I've got an eternity to enjoy gosh apologies friends if you read history you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next one if you want to do something good with your life stop caring so much about this world care a little bit more about what's to come. Sorry, friends. I mean, I'm preaching to myself because I'm like, what the heck am I doing sometimes? Um, How do we get this bread? You're all like, when do we get to the bread part? Here it is. Uh, Just so you know, I downloaded Photoshop yesterday and this was my first project. Oh no, sorry, no, the picture and the words I stole from the internet. All I mean is, I took away the bit that said the Bible verses. How do we get it? Oh, that's the end. Of the slideshow, not of the preach. How do we get this bread? Uh, Can I get this back up? I want to go back to the Bible verses. Thank you. If you can get me back up to my Bible slide, that'd be great. Jesus says in verse 35, verse 40, and again in verse 40, uh, three things. He says, come, look, and believe. He says in verse 35, whoever comes to me. We have to come actively. Whoever comes to me shall never hungry. We do need to come, okay? Uh, One of the things that's great about this bread metaphor uh, is that you kind of eat bread when you're hungry. And so the idea here is that we have to have a hunger. We have to go and identify with the life. There's something missing here. And, I need, and I'm, I'm trying to fill this up with other things. I'm really trying to get, you know, my life together on this stuff. I've got a hunger. Only you can satisfy it, Jesus. We've got to come hungry. That means to actively come. And I guess if you're here today, that's a good sign. Uh, the next thing he says is, look. In verse 40, everyone who looks to the sun, uh, this world, this word is, um, oh, it says everyone who sees. This word isn't like, oh, I see Joshua over there. 
it actually it, it means more uh, to really dwell upon, to scrutinise. I think the English word uh, we use a phrase like to chew it over, which is helpful with my bread metaphor, and um, like to, to really to really chew it, chew on it. Like oof, got to chew on that one. Got to really think that through to, to mull it over. That same word is used in other parts of the Bible to mean experience. Like we're not just seeing like, but to experience Jesus. All who experience him. So this morning, um, we want to come and then really see Jesus. That's why we're doing the real Jesus. We want people to come and really see, and in seeing, experience who he is. Like, then finally believe. Everyone who looks to the sun or sees the sun and believes in him shall have everlasting life or may have everlasting life. We've got to put our trust in him. We need to hear those words of Jesus that he will satisfy our spiritual hunger and thirst, that he'll keep us. If we come to him, he will keep you. We sang that song, nothing can separate, even if I ran away. You're like, in your mind, you're thinking, but I've ran away. But that doesn't matter. Nothing can separate, even if you run away. His love never, never changes. He doesn't fail. If you've come to him and he's drawn you to himself and his love, his purposes don't fail. So he wins at everything he does. He succeeds at everything he does. And so if he's called you, he'll, he's going to keep you. He won't throw you away or get tired of you. He won't lose a single person who belongs to him. And he will raise us up an eternal life of unimaginable joy. To believe means to hear that and say, that's true for me because of Jesus. That's all mine because he gave it to me. That's what it means to believe, just to say all of that is true because of what he's done. All of that is true about me. I have an eternal destiny. He's not going to throw me away or reject me because I mess up when I mess up because of what he's done so we are going to end this service by taking communion this makes the most sense um, because Jesus goes on to say uh, in verse 34 whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life Um, again just to bring it back to this exodus thing I talked about at the beginning this whole chapter John tells us takes place at Passover Passover is the Jewish festival that celebrates the whole Exodus story. It's like they reenact the Exodus story, uh, the whole slavery uh, in Egypt. Uh, they eat these bitter herbs. They eat these salty, they dip an egg in salty water. It's the tears um, that they cried. And they reenact the whole thing. It's amazing. If you ever go to a, a Jewish Passover feast, um, it's laden with symbolism. And John says that they were doing that during this chapter. They were having the Passover thing, uh, celebration. John tells us this, uh, this for the Exodus narrative. Uh, Jesus is saying that the celebration of Passover, the celebration and the understanding, the rethinking, the kind of uh, acting out of Passover really points to him. See, in those days, uh, at Passover, they sacrificed the lamb. That was when they did that. So when we heard way back at the beginning of John, John the Baptist say, this is the lamb of the world slain for us. 
he is that Passover lamb. That's kind of what's going on here. Jesus says the celebration of Passover, the Exodus story, finds its fullest meaning in him. And he teaches us in this passage that the whole Exodus story is about him and God freeing us from spiritual bondage to sin. That we were spiritually dead, but Jesus sets us free. And he's done it by his death on the cross. So his body, broken for us, is him saying, well, I'm going to die on the cross. This is the point at which I die on your behalf and his blood is shed on our behalf as well. So when we take communion, we are doing the same as the Passover guys, celebrating. We're remembering, we're acting out the symbolism of that one-time event of Jesus' death on the cross, which is what purchased for us, is what bought for us all of those truths. That if we come hungry and look, see, and really believe those truths, we can be welcomed, we're welcomed in to Jesus. I'd love to talk more about what it means to take on this bread and to eat it. It's, it's all to do with union with Christ. It's to do with stepping into Jesus and him stepping into us. It says, whoever drinks my, uh, eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, he says in this chapter. It's big, big stuff. In a nutshell, basically what you're doing is saying, I believe that when you died, you died for me. That your blood, when you were shed, was shed for, to cleanse my sin. Simply put, when we come to Jesus and see him for who he really is and believe in him, his life comes into us like bread and like water and his blood washes over us and cleanses us of sin. Uh, Emil, would you like to just get ready? We're going to sing a song. Emil's going to uh, lead us in singing a song whilst we do communion. Doesn't need to be a somber occasion. We're not, you know, it's, it is just grape juice and bread. Um, but as you're feeling in your heart and your spirit how you want to respond, again, we want to be open to, to people responding as they feel moved. But um, can I encourage us to joyfully take the bread and the wine because it's that symbol of what Jesus has achieved for us on the cross. So um, just as you feel able and ready, you can go and grab it to the back. Uh, feel free to break it and share it with someone and uh, encourage a brother or a sister uh, or, or just contemplate on your own it's it's up to you really um, but we'll sing this song this song is um, an invitation to come it says come to the altar um, simply the altar was where the, the Passover lamb was sacrificed but we don't do that anymore we just come to Jesus come to Jesus this morning Great. Thank you, guys.